The following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled Inimitable Immaculation, the Canonical Works of Western Art. This is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. The Mona Lisa, the David, Jesus's big dinner, These timeless works of art have shaped Western thought for centuries. However, with today's degraded Western education, many young people have never seen a painting. Our purpose in life, our raison d'etre, is to introduce young people to the magnificence of art history. Welcome to Inimitable Immaculation, the canonical works of Western art. I am joined today by two world-renowned art historians. From the Dundas Institute of Pretty Good Art, Maximilian Ledudu. Maximilian, how are we today? I'm doing well, thank you for inviting me. Um, it's a pleasure to be on the show and discuss art. Also joining us, Atticus Bartholomew Sorbet, who once worked for MoMA for three months. Atticus? Uh, thank you for having me, gentlemen. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, as you know, I currently work at the Smithsonian out of Maumee, Ohio. Um, my time spent at MoMA, working in the cafe there, taught me many things. Um, but as you know, I moved on from the world of contemporary art as I realized it is quite trite, as you two, I'm sure, will agree with me. But we'll get to that later. But thanks right, for having me. Right. The state of art nowadays is this, this podcast is much needed indeed. Now before we get to some art, uh, Maximilian, I think you had a, a story to share with us about uh, getting kicked out of the Louvre. Oh, yes. That's what most people might recognize me from, even though I work for the Dundas Institute of Pretty Good Art. I was in the 70s. I went to the Louvre, and I... Uh, now, what is the Louvre, for those listening? These young people don't even know what that means. Or is it some kind of uh, fancy toilet? The Louvre, it sounds like It's a- an ironic name for, for an art. In French, uh, Louvre means toilet. So they said this was a statement almost of, we'll put these here. What if great art was seen in a toilet? And it's really subversive. It's, it was sort of transgressive right, for its time. Right, right. It was really, it was very aggressive. And uh, there was a lot of things, uh, you know, that they wanted to make statements of. And I went there to see... Uh, the French are known for being, um, you know, a bit rebellious, as we know. Right. The French Revolution. And they always go against the grain. They love to put sex in everything. And that was the one another thing they are making it statement with if you go to the Louvre Louvre, you realize it's very sexual it's very erotic very sensual and it made you think of a sensual toilet right (laughs) there's something innately sexual about a toilet you know absolutely you're naked you're naked your pants are down that's we're we're most attuned to the artistic nature in every person when we're naked and vulnerable as when we're on a toilet if a toilet is particularly dirty you might wear a condom while using it similar to sex with a a particular dirty woman which man French are known to be. Oh, yeah, very <laughs> much so. It's a rawness there. You really can't, you know, look at it through an American eyes. They have a sort of a unique French musk to them that you really can't get out of your nostrils once you go there. You leave there three months later, you still smell French. It's it's, it's a, quite quite strong. It's and this country. is why we enjoy art. It, we we go to foreign places. We smell strange women. We. We just experience this bouquet of, of life. You know, raw sexuality almost. So I was in the Louvre and I went there to see Fountain uh, by Duchamp, which as uh, most aren't aware now, it is a very famous um, uh, piece of art where he took a toilet, a little urinal, and he put it on the ground and he said, 
you know, I made this. And then he signed it with the wrong name. And people were talking. And I, um, I wanted to introduce myself into the, the kind of the world of art. And I decided to take a steamer in, in, the, in the urinal. I thought it'd be a, a statement almost of, you know, it's a urinal. You're supposed to pee in it. And so what are you? That's a more artistic statement well, than the, way, the creation of the urinal. The way I interpreted that is that, you know, once you release art, once you create art, it is no longer yours. I think right. Einstein said that. But that made it so, like, if you were to go in there and you were to, to, to defecate in it, that it's just uh, adding it's to it. Right. It's Maximilian's. Right. And it's I yours, was, it's mine, it's everyone's. It belongs it's to the universe. It's only yours if you take a dump on it. Though. Right. <laughs> that and goes so, for any work of art, I'm pretty so sure. So the security guards came and they were trying to escort me out. And it's like, like a, we said... A dog marking a tree. Like, like I said, it's a very sexual place. So all the security guards there wear no shirts and are pretty oiled. And I'm slipping away from them a little bit because I want my, my turds. To, and I, it was a particular loafy day with a little bit of chafing on the loaf. So it was like a little spraying there. But it was regularly a pretty solid loaf, um, a lot of fiber in my diet. And so I wanted the toilet the turd to stay in there because I wanted that to be the whole piece of the art now. And maybe, you know, every six months or so, I can come back and lay another log in there and, and the discussion would keep going. But they dragged me out and, and cleaned it all out. And uh, luckily enough, there was somebody there who was able to snag a photograph of it. And uh, I've been in the art world ever since. And that photo you can see is the, the primary loaf, not the spray. That mostly filled the bowl. But the primary loaf right. actually went out and it bent over the right. rim. It was cheeky. It was like, it was cheeky is a good word to put it. It was almost like serpentine. Like it reminded me of maybe the Garden of Eden and the portrayal of Satan as a serpent. Right. And maybe the toilet was the Garden of Eden. And if you, I have the picture here. If you look at the picture of that, that from the thing, you can see just at the edge there, there's a, a lot of people don't know what that is. It's a little peanut right there. Oh. It's and I did that on purpose. About the degraded state yeah, of art today. It must have been for the peanuts you had on your flight. Right. When flying to France. Right. When I flew to France to, you know, experience all the dirty women and uh, take a crap in a piece of art, my two main goals, and, uh, you know, I ate a bunch of peanuts because I now, thought... Now, some of those listening might think, oh, well, in the art world, world, it's all about pretentious and, you know, uppity and right. snooty, and that may be true right. for That's some a, people. I mean, we have so things... So they think they may believe that you speaking of defecating in a, of such a piece as that is crass... And not art, and it's lowbrow, and is appealing to a low common right. denominator. Now, can you explain that? Well, I, I can put it this way in terms that you might understand nowadays. Um, in right now in Brooklyn, there's an exhibit going on where you pay two thousand dollars to get in, and there will be a woman in a big room sitting on a toilet taking a, a shit, and. Uh, it, uh, for doing this, you are able to make eye contact with her for two minutes, and most people find it so powerful that they cry or they shit themselves. Now, there is a certain degree of, you know, pristineness and arrogance in the art community, and that's fine, because we arbitrarily make things very expensive so most people can't do it. If most people can't do it, it's cooler. See, it's, okay. it's, it's all about separation, right. you know. If, if it wasn't for this art world pushing people away, then all the great works of art would just be, you know, Crash Bandicoot or, or, or Marvel movies. Now, um, I'm going to have to disagree with your comment about Crash Bandicoot, but we don't have to get into that now. Yeah, should we, should we take a look at a few works of art that our viewers might not be familiar with? Can I, it, we'll expose them to the canon here. Let's, let's do it. Start off here. I right, have so a few prepared works for us to look at and what, talk what about. What do you call this one? This one is the Mona Lisa. 
Ah, uh, yes. Ah, uh, yeah, I've heard of this one. The Mona Lisa, it is a very, you know, let's be honest, and plain looking woman who, you know. She's quite homely. She could use a little makeup, is all I'm saying. You always see people, oh, she's so beautiful. It's n- not, not really. She's wearing a lunch lady fishnet. Um, she's, she's quite plain. She's not wearing any makeup. You can't tell if she's smiling or not, which is... I believe it's the whole reason why it's considered the greatest piece of art of all time, is that it's just said so because people can argue and say if she's smiling or not. Now, what's interesting about this piece... It's called a di- discussion piece. Is this, this painting was painted by the Italian... Uh, genius Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. And it was one of two he did, actually. He did a, a second painting. I can't recall if he did this one first or after. The other one, though, is um, one where she is indeed nude and topless, and her breasts are exposed. And right. that one is um, also called the Mona Lisa Anne. Beautiful piece. It's much more appealing to me, and right. I'm not sure why it's not the one, more famous one. Most artists, when they think, they conceptualize a piece of art, they're, they're thinking of one piece of art. But a great artist like uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, who made this painting, <laughs> he's thinking of two pieces of art when he's, when he's visioning, you know, when he's, when he's creating. He's twice the artist most of us could even imagine being. And now if you look at, if you look at what's interesting is you see behind her, the, the background is a landscape with uh, sort of a bend in a river, or is that that's a road? You can see a bridge right. here, and that a bridge river. is um, a bridge that was actually from Boston. And Leonardo DiCaprio painted it after his time working on *The Departed*, and that was a little bit of um, a bit of an Easter egg. He sort of slipped into this. Now, if you look at her hands, you can see her hands are folded over one another, and they're quite—they um, look a little bit bloated. They're quite manly. Large hands for a woman. Per- perhaps some, you know, she had a large amount of salt that induced some sort of swelling. Right. Um, so she has a little bit of edema along her hands. Right. They look kind of like a, a bit, uh, a little bit pallor, but sort of a strange, right. maybe jaundice to it. No, she is definitely, she's definitely unhealthy. Maybe she has cirrhosis of the liver. If you look at her sclera of her eyes, it's, they're quite yellow as well. Right. You can see a, 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 a varying degree of sickness all throughout so the So this is this has brought uh, many art critics and historians to wonder if this was an alcoholic woman that right. Leonardo da Vinci... And, uh, and if you look at the, the Mona Lisa Anne, you can see a little bit more insight into that because although her, her breasts are bare, it, it almost looks like she just revealed them. And you can see, and a great art will predict a lot of things that will happen. What looks like, it looks like to be a Budweiser bikini that she has removed down in the Mona Lisa Anne right there, which would, which would in, insinuate a little bit of It also indicates that the artist, Leonardo, um, painted at a much later time when right, Budweiser previously existed. Thought. But it's a simply wonderful piece of work. Beautiful piece. Many, right. of, many of the ideas we're discussing here are very lofty and might be difficult for the average listener to get a hold of. So I want to contextualize with this with like a piece of pop culture information, too. Uh, the reason that people in society today say, why don't you smile more, sweetie? Right. It all comes back to this painting. And people should smile more. Not me, though. It's not cool. But she does what she wants because she's in charge and she's right. a slay queen. So this is a very interesting piece, but I think that's all we have to say about it. Right. Let's move along. I prepared a second piece for us to look at. That's going to be Vincent Van Gogh. Or, or, I'm sorry, Vincent Van Gogh and his, uh, his quintessential piece of work, Starry Night. See, I have this one hanging 
in my home. Right, I see right it right here. there. And this one is clearly inspired by Lord of the Rings. Um, absolutely, you can, you can see, see one of the two over. towers right there. That's right. that's Sauron's tower. Um, right. In the distance, you can see another tower. That's the second tower. That was Saruman's tower, where he created the famous ultra orcs, the Urukai. Right, the Urukai that you know are born from the ground. You can see a little bit of an allusion to this in the um, in the in the corner to the right there, a little bit of mud, which is the traditional birthing plate place of the the Urukai. Uh, simply how Urukai are reproduced in the in the novel is a Urukai will place his penis into the wet soil and vibrate up and down, up and down, up and down, as, as people want to do during sexual acts, until he ejaculates into the soil. Three months later, a fully grown orc is pulled out by a weaker-looking orc and, you know, looks really cool. So they, I believe they use goblins as well to, to harvest the great uh, beasts. Right, and Vincent, Vincent Van Gogh here, you can tell it's obviously goblin and brute And influence. you can see in the sky these... these Circles, these white and gold and yellow and maize circles, uh, sort of, you know, scattered around the sky. And a lot of people think those are stars, but those are indeed uh, supposed to be eggs. As you know, Vincent Van Gogh is very, very into eggs, and he had different kinds. You can see over easy, you can right. see scrambled. Then you can see some, white some only. argued some are poached over easy, right. over medium. A hard boiled there. And you can see that he's put at least six, which is. The minimum amount of egg, maximum amount of eggs. <laughs> it's, I'm it's sorry. A normal it was part of his artistic process. He'd wake up every morning, crack a dozen eggs into a pan, paint right. that for the rest of the day, probably, right. and then eat those eggs. You know, he was a it, it, a lot of protein, a lot of you know good yellows and things like that. And Help. he would the the. The interesting, the important thing to note is that he'd eat the yolk. And he, back then, that was there was old taboos and you know bugaboos about eating the yolks. He said, no, you got to eat the whites. If you want to slim down, you want to be cut for the summer, right. And have that, you know that. Johnny Bravo body. A perfect Johnny Bravo body. Something a lot of people don't know about Vincent Van Gogh is that he was a very cheerful guy. So he would like to make two sunny side up eggs in the morning. He'd flip them onto a piece of toast and then he'd make a piece of bacon that's like a little smiley face. Right. And that was just like a little joke for himself to make him feel good. As a little bit of breast, breakfast art, if you yeah, will. Yeah, he, right. he was an artist even when he was just and eating, the, cooking for himself. And it helped contribute to the, the myth of the man of Van Gogh is almost as powerful this, as his paintings. This jolly... Jolly, happy, incredibly horny man who was so desperate for female attention that he would often make threats about, you know, if you don't come back to my studio with me, I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to really do it this time. And when he had a, a close female friend who needed someone to talk to, she said, can I borrow your ear for a second? He literally cut off his ear and gave it to her. Right. It and was, it was never, actually just a misunderstanding. He's, she, he's kind of dim-witted. She was, she was appalled and never spoke to him again. And then he just texted her every day for the rest of his life, like, "Sweetie, what did I Are do you wrong? Are me? you mad at me? If you're, if you want me dead, just say it." Is what he wrong. would tell her. And as everyone knows, eventually, if you do that enough, women will come around. And you know, he married her, and I believe he lived to a happy old age and had many children who 47. respected him. Wrong. Right. Well, right. Let's move on. Let's move on. It's uh, the third I go weary of this painting. The third um, uh, selection I have for Panferos is a little. Um, a painting known as The Scream. This is a very famous painting, very recognizable uh, by Edvard Munch. I'm sorry, and that's it, Edvard Lunch. It's Edvard Lunch that did this? And this is clearly, um, it's, uh, I would, some have argued it's a sunrise. I believe it's a sunset. The colors are more strong. It looks like the sun is setting. 
Um, and as you can see in the center here, this is the most Wrong. striking part of this painting. You can see Squidward is clearly in turmoil. And a lot of people have argued this is sort of a, a self-portrait of Monk Wrong. when he was feeling very upset by watching an episode of SpongeBob SquarePants right. where SpongeBob and Patrick get trapped in rock bottom. Um, but, I mean, that's not the point. The point is um, it shows... Great use of color. It great shows use of good color, use but of But also angles. it shows great emotion in fear and anxiety and claustrophobia. Right. I'm getting so many emotions like blue and purple right. and orange. Like and as you can see behind him, there's still two people over there that are kind of in the shot. Kind of watching. It almost gives the piece context. Like, what's this guy's problem? It, the way I look at it is it could be maybe that's the viewer viewing the painting. That's another viewer looking on. And well, what do they see? They see... They add all this context of, if they weren't there, I'd be like, is this a tall man? Is this a short man? And then I look at them and I'm like, oh, it's probably a very ordinarily sized man. Well, it looks Wrong. like maybe a gray alien. So maybe it's Wrong. government agents or G-men coming to capture it. it. That's why it's in such terror and fear. Seems to be wearing like a judge's robe or something along those lines. He could and be a mage. A, there's a good thing in the background. He could be a black mage. Um, you see a good pond that's reflecting off the orange and the yellows. And it's a very, you know, although it's called The Scream, it's known for being very insanely relaxing to look at. Right. Let's move on to the fourth um, one we have uh, this here. Is one of my, this is one of my favorites what we all want to talk mess? about. This is a Guernica by uh, Pablo Picasso. All right. And this was painted by him during the bombing of Guernica during the Spanish Civil War. And the funny thing about this is that he's worked so hard when all of these artists and poets and even foreigner fighters went to uh, places like Madrid to fight in the war. Pablo Picasso was a huge pussy and hid in his apartment and he wouldn't even publicly align with the Spanish Reds and condemn the fascists. And this is very striking because instead of actually going and helping, he sat inside and painted a picture. Right. He, he would often lie and say there were reasons why he, he said didn't he had lift. flat feet. He said he had flat feet. He said they measured his wrists, and his wrists were um, about only as thick as an average marker. He, he said his tiny wrist prevented him from doing any type has, of manual he labor. Said, he said he had um, stomach aches. He'd get he'd get um, diagnosed he, with wimp bone. He said he had insomnia, migraines. He said he had um, really. He was. He talked about how um, he just can't do it today because he's depressed AF. He, he was. He said he he responded to the, um, you know, all these people calling for him to publicly um, endorse the communists, and he said in reply that he was just going through a lot of shit right now. Right. Yeah, and we see that in his other works, uh, such as his self-portrait called Elvis Depressedly. Uh, he was. He really kind of. He responded to the critics through his art, which is, I think, right. what any great artist would do. Uh, you know, as I'm looking at yeah, well, let's at, talk about the actual piece here. Yes, so, yes. There's as a I'm, lot as I'm going looking on. around. I'm seeing an eyeball at the top with a light bulb in it. Right. Uh, I think that represents having an idea to make this painting. Like, first, oh. the first thing I see when I look at that is like a click of the light bulb, and then I hear like a cha ching. Maybe that was the idea that he had for this painting. Exactly. He yeah. had idea. Click, click. Cha-ching, cha-ching, because this shit made him right, rich. Right, and Pablo, rich. And, and below, below the, the light bulb, you see a dog that looks much like a horse, um, right. or maybe is a horse. 
Very similar animals. His love of uh, gambling Next at the track. Next to it is like someone holding a candlestick, which is clearly Wee Willie Winky from the old tale. To the right of that, you can see the hair is holding the Wee Willie Winky candle, and that's, of course, Donald Trump, and he predicted right. the future with this right. one because of his fucking gross and right. thinning and cl- classic, iconic hairstyle. Now, to me, this piece ultimately represents a failure on... Um, on, on Picasso's part, simply because what he is trying to do is, is illustrate the horrors of war and of turmoil and strife. Did you and say instead, the horrors or the, the horror? horrors. Horrors. The horse? The horrors of the horse he of war. He represented the horse in the middle. Right. I and, believe it's and a dog. on the left. And well, that's right. a woman holding the and a, he tried, that baby. That's How do you know it's not a whore holding a baby, though? It's up to interpretation, I guess. He tried to essentially talk about how bad war is, but he made a, a, a painting that just looks really cool. And there's a lot of cool things going on with a man screaming, a foot in the middle of nowhere, a horse yelling, a man laying down, perhaps sleeping or yawning. And it just looks like a bunch of really cool things going on, which ultimately... Looking at this painting makes me want to enlist, even at my old age, and perhaps the U.S. Marines maybe become a sniper. Maximilian, I fundamentally... Which is is very interesting, because George Orwell enlisted himself and was, I believe, the second day on the job, standing on a corner, when a sniper shot him through his neck, because he's one of the taller soldiers next to these Spanish people. And when he was shot in the neck, he thought it was the greatest thing in the world, and he immediately went home and... He wrote a book about it and vlogged about it. Pretty good. I just disagree fundamentally with your analysis here, Maximilian. I think this painting is not about the, the horrors of war so much as the joys of getting a moolah, baby. All right. He was trying to get rich with this one. Now, this was commissioned by the Spanish government. You're right. So we will yeah, say- for uh, $20 million dollars. At that time, today that would be worth what? Today that's about billion. today that's about one million dollars. The ultimate goal of every painter, as we know this, is to make the money. Make cashola, that sweet doge. That sweet, sweet green. You really haven't made it as a painter if you haven't sold a single piece for seven figgies, baby. Well, I I almost feel uh, negligent for not having discussed this earlier. But what is the point of art? It's to make that moolah. Make that sweet cold cash. Cold cash is king. People don't think it's physical. You can see it. You can hold it. You can smell it. I want my painting to be, you know, in a museum. No, they don't think like that. I, I want to express my inner tone model. No, they don't no. think of that. Everyone gets into painting because it is the most lucrative line of work in all of history. I, people often ask me, what is the greatest work of art? And I say, the $100 bill. <laughs> I love that green, that beautiful green. It smells like money. Right. It's got that picture of Franklin on it. Beautiful. Beautiful the, man. The classical. Franklin was known for his Gentleman demeanor. Everyone wanted to be him. He had the best snuff. He had the best clothing. Men wanted to be him. Women wanted the, to be in him. He had the and most was, vi- venereal mean, diseases. He Christ. invented HPV while he was an ambassador in France. He loved cougars. He loved MILFs. Right. And he was the guy who knew that he could get rich and famous without ever having to be president. And he that's invented why he wasn't. at least 20 categories of porn in his day. Right. Not to mention inventing electricity itself. The primitive porn hub, I believe, was founded. Back then, it was simply an old catalog. And it was called... What was it called? It was... It, it, that's not the Pony Express. No, it's not the Pony Express. It was... 
Franklin Spankbank Emporium. Yeah, Newport News. Newport News <laughs> is where the ships would come in, and everyone would wait for the news to come in, and that's what right. was pornography. And then those old daguerreotypes of, of, of big-boned women in frocks lifting them up and hiding their faces and showing their clitorises and whatnot. The only way we can, like, we long for those days of a purer, simpler, manlier time. Right. And the only way we can experience that today... Primitive pornography. A fat hundreds in our and women wanted men wearing big white wigs. Right, big white wigs, tight knickers, um, shoes that made you look like a little English schoolboy, and you carried around a little box that you would snort right. powder to feel good. You would snort it to feel good. Proto vape. You drank tea all day and uh, got really fat, and just hung out on cobble streets. And you didn't have to do a day's work because your slaves muskets. did it for you. Yeah, uh, it was a simpler time. It was a very simple time. And it, I'm not endorsing, none of us here endorse slavery, but that's just how it was then. And you have to accept that and deal with it. It's not my problem. All right, Let's so move on along. To, the, to, to, the, to another piece here. It's, uh, another Spanish artist. Yeah. Very famous. Up. Salvador Dolly here with the persistence of memory. I thought it was called Melting Clocks. It's called Melting Clocks. I'm sorry. I What's looked that at my clock notes on wrong. the bottom? Is that a horse? A sleeping horse with that clock on it? I believe that's what a sleeping that? horse with a clock draped over it. And I imagine that a melting clock would be quite hot. Now this, One can this, presume the horse is being brutally murdered by some piece, sort. This uh, piece, a lot of people find, it's known as classically surrealist. Surrealist. Right. Themes. Dali is known for his surrealist themes, and he's sort of the grandfather of surrealism. But to me, when I look at this this strange painting, which is actually in person, quite small. In person, right. this is about the same size. Yeah, if you look at our commu- computer monitor, it's about uh, three inches bigger, uh, tall. Bigger. Right. Yeah, it's even and smaller when you see it when at I the look, Louvre. When you look at this, these clocks, they think of um, you know time. Um, never ends, or time is slipping away or melting away. What I look at is I get very hungry. I'm looking at this, I'm thinking of, you know, what's the melting cheese? Um, right. Yeah, you'll notice uh, that one clock is set to breakfast time, one is set to the universally acknowledged lunch time, and one is the dinner time. It represents the three meals. Or second day. lunch in some places, depending on your time in zone. In Middle Earth or... You can see the three clocks, each representing a different meal. You see the wide landscape oh, completely you open. You see this, this, this sort of flat... S- slate that these clocks right here on and the trees come off of but in the back that's sort of a counter in the back you can see the flat top grill that they grilled these on and now they're cooling off to be served and these just these clocks just look delicious you could put them on a sandwich maybe eat them with some pita bread one can imagine just off frame as these clocks cool off perhaps a, a tramp or a beggar who is just off screen rubbing his hands together greedily Waiting for Licking these to cool, chops. following the scent emanating from these breakfasts and dinner and lunch clocks, floating in the air as he approaches it, ready to scoop it and abscond from the area with it. Um, it's a very, and in this way, even though Salvador Dali is a Spanish artist, it, it reflects this as maybe an utmost piece of Americana. Let, let's keep moving on. All right. The next piece I have prepared for us is another Pablo Picasso. What um, the fuck is this one? This is. <laughs> this one's called Three Musicians. <laughs> to be honest, this one looks quite quite shit. Let's skip this one. This one looks like uh, it's well known that he painted this as a joke to be bad, and because he wanted people to be tricked into liking it. So you'd say, "Oh, do you like my newest painting?" And they're like, and he "Yeah." Purposely, he purposely pop, pop. would, you know, because music 
everyone likes music, right? So he's Wrong. like, what if I just shit all over music? He would spend weeks, weeks in his apartment without contact with anyone. Wrong. And he'd make them believe that this whole time he was working on this. The truth of the matter was, he did this in about five minutes, and then he laughed for 30 minutes straight yeah, about he, how shitty it was. He just dumped this turd on the canvas. Actually, he was shitting on his toilet while he dumped this turd Wrong. onto the canvas. It now, was... I will say this, a lot of people don't know this, but he had a song in mind of what these three musicians were playing. Oh, Let It Be by the Beatles. Oh, uh, it was Headstrong by Trapped. No, no. All right, Wait, you how see does that, uh, Maximilian, how does that one go? Oh, it's Headstrong to Take You On. Headstrong to take, take on, on anyone. I know. Wait, then you. But this is not where you belong. Oh, now they. they we, we like. We Baby, have a little why bit of you humor. calling me? We, so late. we have a little bit of humor, yes. But the, the truth of the matter was, he is Spanish, and we know that the song that they were playing was indeed La Cucaracha. Right. The most famous Spanish song of all time. The song that actually is the Mexican national anthem, La Cucaracha. All right, let's move on past that trash to something a little better. All right. A Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jeanne. Ah, yes. Right. <laughs> that's not what it's called. <laughs> yeah. That's classic definitely piece. La Grande Jeanne. Classic Jean. joint. This is a classic La banger. La Grande Jeanne. Now, there's a lot going on in this, in this piece. Right. Um, I, I particularly... Um, like the the use of the dogs um, in the lower frame here. Look Using at, a dog in a painting is a metaphor for like a companion or like a a furry friend or like a a feline friend or like a what canine. What I like the, what the for the, example. What I like about this this painting is that the French painter Georges Seurat Rat brings us um, this this afternoon you know sort of slice of life. And the dogs being there is indicating that all the around all these fancy people and all these aristocrat types and gentleman types and ladylike types, there's dogs running around. And one of them, without a doubt, is not paying attention and will step into a pile of their shit. I want I want you guys to take a look at something. I'm going to point out right here. You see that? <laughs> you see that right there? Is the the right uh, to the middle right. Is on a... the right middle part of the of the the piece? You can see a woman with who's perhaps. An ass that is... It doesn't quit. This is a reference it to... It looks to like it a, a, a whole roasted turkey under her skirt with her big butt. Uh, one could imagine that you could put a pair of stirrups in her mouth and ride around on her by sitting on her very large, extremely horizontal ass. And you could maybe prepare a nightcap on that. Just an amazing right. cocktail for you and right. your closest friends. And beyond her is a gentleman that is obscured. So it makes the person looking upon this piece to maybe put yourself in his shoes. Maybe right. I'm with this woman with the um, large rear, with the, and maybe uh, I'm a gentleman. A, a, with a, you know, a rear that's so big you could stand on it and hold her shoulders and she could show you around town. Um, one might think she even has something akin to a lawnmower engine underneath there. Now, like, uh, another interesting piece of this is that the artist inserted this, this man, you can see him on the lower left, laying down very casual on his, his back arm, and this man is wearing, obviously, a pair of bootcut jeans right. and a sleeveless. He's wearing a Bulls jersey and right. a baseball cap. And this man is clearly from a place like Chicago, Illinois, right. or maybe Missouri. And it's very interesting that they inserted such a modern figure in this sort of um, uh, different time period. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. As I've been focusing on this guy, I just noticed something fucked up about this painting. Did you notice that it's all, like, dots instead of, like, huh? painting? No, what, what? Look at that. Was this printed on like a 1996 printer? Oh it's all like a comic book. It's like, it's like a Xerox. Three colors of dots that are just like printed out, and 
It looks like they just ripped the strips off the two sides of the paper, the printer paper, and just oh, yeah. slapped it together, you know? Yeah, slapped it together, yeah. It's what a, the fuck is this? It's is a, this a vile Xerox concoction, something I want nothing to do with. Is this with. a bootleg? I think this might be a bootleg, I'm not quite and sure. And you can see next to the man laying down, the uh, Chicago man, the modern man, behind him, where the dog is sniffing, is actually an iPhone and a pair of earbuds. Right. Is that the, the iPhone X? I believe that's Well, it looks like it must, if it's iPhone X, it must have the, the dongle that comes with it, because to use the headphones, you have to plug it in that way. Just another Just example another piece of the degraded, they to buy. degraded state of our contemporary Western society. Let's move on down the list here and bring no. another thing. All right, this is a very famous painting. A woman um, by, in do-rag. By the, the Dutch artist Johans Vermeer. And this is the girl with the pearl necklace. This is the girl with the dragon tattoo, I believe. Right, right. So you and can she, see there. She is very... Uh, uh, unlike... She's very Dutch-looking. Right. Um, uh, she has no eyebrows. She, I believe she has cancer. Right, but I will say, other than, um, even then, this sick... This Muslim woman. This sick Muslim woman... Or Crip, she could be a Crip. Is, ...is obviously still more attractive than Mona Lisa, objectively speaking. Um, you can see the cheekiness of her, kind of staring over her shoulder, almost coyly, uh, challenging the... You know, almost daring the viewer to make an opinion about her. And cheekily hiding what we assume is a highly sexualized pearl necklace, meaning... Um, uh, it's a sex act it's, that was popularized and invented by Benjamin Franklin, where you ejaculate on a woman's neck to make it look like it is a necklace. So while it is not ob you know, objectively displayed, one can infer from the title that she just recently spent a night with Ben Franklin himself. Now, Maximilian, I know you have some controversial views on this painting, because most art historians are in perfect agreement that she's about a seven, but you right. think she's more of like a nine. I would say about an eight, eight point five. That's not bad. Now, typically when argued about a painting, the first thing that is debated by academics over the course of about 10, 15 years, before the rest of the work is even discussed, is to rate on a 1 through 10 scale of how attractive the woman is. That's the first thing that's done in any major piece of art. Let's move on to the next one here. All right, this piece is Whistler's Mother. Nobody knows this one. I don't think no I've ever... No, no one wants to talk about this. This one sucks. Let's take this one. I'm just saying just, it's a boring right. old woman. Deep, you can look this a up on Google. boring old bat. All right, and here's a portrait of De La Artisans, baby. And it is Vincent van Gogh. And he is here, and this is... Self-portrait without a beard. This is him when he shaved his famous beard, and he said, I'm still feeling cute. Right, he said. Might delete later. He says, I feel That was his way of saying it. Then. So he painted this portrait, he presented it. And he was obviously chinless. Right. And, you know, typically, gaunt. typically when there's, you know, artists, male artists will say might delete later or something like that. Typically, they only delete it if there is. He ended up not deleting it because it got a positive response and, and uh, left God it up. Right. It is an excellent picture of himself that he drew. Uh, not very creative, honestly. Um, this was, I think, done in crayon, maybe. You can see. While his, he was waiting in, like, the dentist's office. You can see his dead eyes and his Macklemore haircut and kind of wearing what appears to be the top half of a button-up pajama suit. Mac, uh, Vincent Van Gogh was known to wear his pajamas for weeks on end, refusing to get out of bed uh, due to being sad over a, right. a woman colleague who 
He was he was noted to be one of the first people medically as a man. He wore those pajamas so long he actually got a yeast infection in his butthole. And this is just such a boring piece that you, you can only talk about it for so long. Right. But also at the same time, it is worth cash ola money, baby. Cha-ching. Right. And obviously Wait, how many millions? Scroll up. Right there, 7. sold for 71.5 million. million. That's a dollars. lot That's of M. bones. Folks at home, that's an M. Mammalian. And this one, this one is, uh, this one's quite interesting. This is, right. um, this is what's the this Night called? Watch. The Night Watch. Um, this is by Rembrandt, famous Dutch right. painter. This is by uh, a, a famous Dutch painter, Rembrandt. He was uh, commissioned by a military company and do some this and draw some, some army stuff. It was kind of like a, you know, the equivalent today would be if somebody posted a picture of a bunch of marines and maybe had a, uh, a thin blue line uh, drawing underneath it. And right. it says, stand if you support the flag. It was the equivalent and of that at the time. And you can see this is the three musketeers. Um, right. They're surrounded by their uh, band of hooligans. Right. And they're sitting here and they're wearing their foppish hats and their weird cummerbund things and their drapes. And, you know, one doesn't realize it takes probably about... Three hours, three to four hours to get dressed if you lived at this time. You wore a lot of foppish big hats with feathers in them and... Wore giant white fluffy things around your neck. Right. And, and that also keep from crumbs falling on your shirt. Those right. feathers too, you had to have geese in your yard and every day you'd pluck a new feather. It wasn't easy to, to uh, maintain appearances in those You can days. see what looks like a big drum, which is actually just a big barrel full of... Uh, Miller High Life that a lot of the soldiers at the time like to partake in right before battles. Now, a lot of people remark on this this photo that uh, it's very dark. There's a lot of dark colors. Right. But you'll notice right. this big size, like, 200 impact font at the top that says, These colors don't run. Right. And it's, right. it just speaks to the militaristic nature of it, you know, the... This is, the, this is the original support. But to see that, you have to hold a black light over the. Uh, like, right. as uh, yes, Maximilian yes. is holding over the painting right now. Right. Only sure. historians here. know about this hack. Right. This is the first photo that you could hack. And this was found. Um, this was thought to be lost. It was found in Michael Jackson's basement in the Neverland Farms um, after they raided his home right. for um, enslaving. Uh, hundreds of children. Right. Um, so let's move on now to the kiss. All right. This is a completely trash Ooh, painting. Baby. Um, a high level of eroticism essentially makes it look like um, pornography. What we have um, here this is, this is, is a, a homeless a, man. A with woman being embraced by a man with a giant neck and back. He looks a bit like um, Nito from um, Dark Souls. Right. And he has disgusting green skin. His hair is, uh, right. it looks diseased. And she is covered in what appears to be some flowers. And she's in his embrace. She appears that she is actually dead. Right, and it looks like he might be, you know, having his hands wrapped around her neck. And this is called the but kiss, and I think that might refer to the kiss of death. Right. Because He's this man is a leper. Obviously, um, referring to uh, another callback to orcs and orc culture due to this man's green skin. And um, his raggedy hair makes him look like he slept outside. And uh, it's just truly a vile piece of work that is really celebrating the murder of women. Well, what I like about this piece, I know we're focusing on the green skin, but you'll notice that almost everything is urine-colored. And that's because the artist, right. after he finished it, he didn't like it either, so he just pissed all over the canvas <laughs> in front of everyone at the gallery. And that's actually what this painting is best known for. So right. I respect his, his chutzpah, you know? And that's where um, Marcel Duchamp got the idea for Fountain, because he says, you know, something needs to be here to catch that and urine. And eventually it, it even influenced 
Right, you, right. It's almost like this piece of art is my grandfather. Yeah. Uh, in terms of so art you, lineage. You have to give it respect for that. But otherwise, it's a piece of shit. Right. Moving along. Yeah, like the. I mean, well, we didn't talk about the bottom. The bottom's a lot more colorful, but, you know, fuck it. Who cares? Right. Let's um, move on to uh, Claude Monet. Uh, this is. Uh, uh, money. I'm sorry. It was Claude Money. Claude Money. He <laughs> was known for his drawing his backyard because right. he. He was always home because he was constantly shit-faced. He'd make right. this filthy hooch that he was drunk 24-7 on. So he could never even leave, really. It was almost like he, he was Well, he prisoner. was on house arrest for his dozens of DUIs. <laughs> right, right. Which is when he took up painting. Right. So to the untrained eye, it looks like, okay, we see some blue. It looks like it represents some water. We see some green. It probably represents money, right? Right. But think about the fact that he was on house arrest after his DUIs. He was probably thinking about like a more watery beer, like a Miller High Life, right. or, or maybe like trying that. to combat dehydration when he woke up. Yes. Yeah, oh, so the green. I think um, you have to think. Artists. I think the green uh, contributes to his missing his use of marijuana. Right. Um, because he had to drop. Yeah. Several drop times them. a week, he had to go see his probation. He had to go to the concerta and drop. Right. He had to and drop, and he never knew when he'd have to. So he had this longing for his. Right. His use of mar- marijuana. He tried so to he, use K2 instead, but it didn't and quite. That, made yeah, him, well, that just made him slump more to mental He uh, eventually illness. started vaping DMT, and that's why everything's a little bit wavy. And, right. You know, he he couldn't paint as well when he was vaping DMT every And the, the interesting thing about uh, Claude Money is that he did all this. Uh, this is all finger painting, like a toddler. Right. I mean, he was too drunk to hold the paintbrush is, what, is how it goes by. And, uh... Just for you pop culture fanatics out there, uh, Lil Claude Money, the SoundCloud rapper, is actually his great grandson. Right, and his father, Lil Claude Money's uh, father, is Eddie Some Money. Some of them call him SoundCloud Money. So it's, there's Claude Monet, Claude Money, and then there's Eddie Money, and then there's Lil Claude Monet, Money Jr. Right. Moving down on to uh, the flower carrier. This is this painted by is, Diego Rivera. Um, clearly a man who's weak. And I don't know why, because he's carrying a basket of flowers. They right. can't weigh that much. No, it's simply flowers. And he has flowers. to have his mother help him. Right, and you can see that his mother is a very powerful build. Maybe a natural 3-4 nose tackle. Um, kind of like a, um, you know, a, 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 you know, two hands down, rush the passer type nose tackle. What's really interesting this is you can see the, the sash or the, the ribbon or... Um, band that's sort of holding the basket to his back is yellow, and it matches his bright yellow hat, which is right. a, a, a reference to the painter's love of uh, Curious, Curious George. Curious George, yes, yes, yes. Uh, so he's got these bright flowers, which really don't have much detail. It seems overwhelming how many flowers there are. It looks like a big scoop of strawberry ice cream. It kind of looks, looks, looks like um, one of those uh, freezies that you get, or like one of those ice, uh, ice cream or... Uh, Snow cones. It looks like a snow cone that you maybe mix the, the red and the blue so it turns purple and you eat it after school or like maybe at Six Flags. Well, some, some art historians have an alternate theory that that's a giant alien brain in a big basket. And actually he's trying to meld that brain into his own tiny well, well, this, human this, brain. This, this painting is the, one of the clear uh, inspirations for the Metroid games. So Right, and you can see from his hands, he's obviously not human, where all of his hat fingers are the same size and, and shaped like five of them. hot dogs. We see that this painting or, is called The Flower Carrier, but that's actually Spanish for the human-alien mind meld. Right, right. All right, let's move on to the next one here. We have another classic, oh, American Gothic. Grumpy old couple. Who, this shit is just gross. No, this, really is, gross. This, is a, um, this is a painting of uh, Steve Jobs before he died. 
and um, some British broad. Right. I think what we see here is the woman. Uh, you initially believe it is a woman, but it, it looks more akin, if you notice there. You can look at some of the features. That appears to be one of the cast members of Kids in the Hall in drag. So you can see that there, paired with the dying Steve Jobs. And you can see what, is, uh, what appears to be a very grim image indeed. This, this uh, was commissioned by Pitchfork Media. Uh, as you'll notice their logo in the front. Right. I just have to mention that as a conflict of interest. Uh, I once wrote an op-ed for their blog. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way. What's, so people what's, really, don't think it, what's really interesting about this is that uh, Grant Wood, um, the painter of this piece, the house uh, depicted it behind the couple is really actually a house that he saw in the country when he was driving through. He saw this and he said, oh, I have to paint this. And I had to paint this disgusting, ugly right. couple in front of it and obscure this be this beautiful house. And that's really, um, I think, indicative of what's going on in our country right now. And a lot of people don't even know that Grant Wood was not even his real name. That was his um, name. He was performing in a lot of racy adult movies at the time and changed his name to Grant Wood. And he liked it so much that he kept it on and used it as a regular name. For the funny enough, he became more famous for his work in well, painting than his um, adult films. Right, than his solo masturbation performances on Daguerreotype. <laughs> Which he was doing in his car when he drove Right, by. he was doing it in his car. <laughs> All right, up here we got Cafe Terrace at night. Oh, Van Gogh again. It's like, it's kind of like, it kind of reminds me of like Meryl Streep, you know? It's like, right. he gets nominated when so many Oscars like, all right, give it a rest. Like, right. We get it. We get like, it. Like, enough. It's... Right. So what oh, you like, have oh, here more is... more yellow and blue. Great. A mishmash Thanks, of Vincent. colors. A well, he, of could, he couldn't afford red back then. Red was a very expensive color. Well, he has a little bit of red left in this, um, which he actually made himself, it with a, mixing a little bit of yellow and white with his own blood, right, Ooh, he which he cried. Right. That's dedication. Right. You see more of his classic fried eggs up there in the sky. You see a bunch <laughs> of plain-looking people. You see the same piss-colored tones and blues that he's known for. Maybe a tree. And this is another shot of color. him being an absolute creep and um, right. you know alienating himself from people instead of just going and talking to people right. like a normal guy. Well, he forced those people to sit there for like three days while he was painting this. Well, typically he paints and he would paint a, a background of maybe 10, 12 people. But he was only interested in one. It was typically a girl who he was being a little cowardly never even talk to right he just you just follow around and paint scenes around her and if she would ever come to him and accost him as he imagined in his head due to paranoia and fear he would say i'm not painting you i'm not following you i'm just painting nice nice scenes but uh it is and then he'd walk around with that canvas and people would say put that down you're, it's not legal to record me he right. says i know the law i know the law right. he'd have police officers accost him if they he said am i being detained am i being detained they would not answer him he said i have the right to paint you and they would shove it out of his head, and they, they would be sued by him for breaking his canvas. Right. And he would actually, in order to get them to not move, as he said, he would point his gun, usually if people tried to move, at people in the distance. And I would the people ask at the time were so yeah. dumb, they didn't notice that. He it would ask them if they believed him. A blue and gold deagle. Right. Is a blue and gold deagle. A paint deagle. Him? You know, those, right. those paint deagles. And he would point them at people if they tried to move and ask them if they believe in God. And most of them did, because mind you, these are... Barbarian times. A All right, so this is ago. this is uh, the Son of Man, which is right. um, a self-portrait, I believe. Right. Um, by uh, what, I don't know how to read that. I believe that's a self-portrait. I think Reen that's Reen Margarita. Reen Margarita this painted this. Reen Margarita painted this self-portrait for to right. be the cover for the novel Naked Lunch. 
Right, and he absolutely loves apples. People, are historians well, like to discuss what is this about? What historians is about? also argue, is that a green apple or is it a tomato that hasn't ripened yet? No, it's a right. big, green, juicy... It's a perfect it's a tomato, apple. in my no, opinion. No, it's a delicious apple. It's a perfectly spherical apple, which is disconcerting, at least. It makes you understand. No, it makes you, it makes you hungry. It doesn't make you understand anything. Now, this, this, any well, some people argue that it is indeed an apple because of his love for New York City, a.k.a. the Big the Apple. Big apple the Big yeah. Apple. And that's a, some would argue that's a pretty big apple. I would say. This might be a tiny man, but, the but problem I think it's a big The problem apple. with that argument is that when you think of the Big Apple, you think of a big red apple, right? Right. You would never think Typically. of a green well, apple. Well, he's playing with your idea of what you expect of an apple. No. Like, right. You don't think Granny Smith. You think Red Delicious, right? right. Well, Red Delicious is goes, the worst apple. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking like Honey Crisp. I'm thinking Fuji. Fuji. He's challenging our oh, notions. Yeah. Right. Challenging our notions no, of what Summer day. It's all juicy. It's going down your face. You bite into it. Everybody believe a pink lady. Oh. I think there's one. Pretty good. There's one dimension we're not examining here either. Is why do you think that apple's green? What else is green? Moolah, baby. Money. Cash. That's and subliminal. The painter right. is saying, "Give me that sweet douche. Those right. bones. Those clams. Only I reason need I those do stacks, absolutely baby. anything is for money. I want that money, and, and I will do anything to get it." He's dressed in quite a boring fashion. He has one of those pork pie hats that anime guys are known to wear. And, other than the apple, he probably added the apple because he's so boring and dreary looking. Well, he also just didn't know how to paint a face. <laughs> that was a lot of tricks that a lot of artists use. Lots of people can't use hands, so they will typically have people, yeah. um, uh, you know, people who would like maybe fold their hands behind the back and. and so if you if you go to the Louvre and look at this painting. And you go up to the painting with a quarter and just start scratching away at the apple, which I, which I strongly encourage you to I do. I strongly recommend if you, you, if you to do. you scratch away at the apple behind it, you'll just see a little smiley face with two dots for the eyes and a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> smile. Uh, what's this next one? All right, we All right, got. That's two. I can't. Even, is this a where wall? Where's the Waldo? Fuck is All this right. Shit? This is. Um, I think oh, this, this is, is an a, accident oh, that, oh, that oh, I put is, this on here. This oh, is, this uh, is a Jackson Pollock. Jackson oh, okay. Pollock. Jackson, Jackson Pollock. He painted now, like a five-year-old. Jackson Pollock. He just kind of typically had a canvas, and he just kind of went wild on it. Um, he was blackout drunk when he did all of his paintings. He said it was just for paintings, but he just liked getting blackout drunk. I believe he did this one after his second DUI, and he just started slapping a bunch of stuff together, and it's really nonsense. All of his friends would tell him in casual conversation at parties that like they think he's a really good artist, and that he. It was kind of a it joke. Up. It was kind of a joke. Yeah, oh, Jackson, yeah, but... you got to do your art, and they set up this big canvas on the floor for him. They give him paint, and he would just go Donkey Kong on it, right? And he would just fling it everywhere. Stomp would on get it. Covered. He'd puke all over. A lot of this is puke. His own right, puke. You see a little bit and just take, taking his puke and kind of making strands of it. And if you can see there, there is just a half digested onion right there. You can see that right there. And it, ends, it adds a depth to the piece where there's three dimensions to it. There's a little piece of corn right there. His, and a lot his, of time, he got started on his aesthetic at a very young age. Where like on the playground, he was the kid where it's like, I'll eat anything. I'll right, eat a bug. Right. You send me a bug, I'll he, eat it. Eat a dog turd. Then he would vomit all kinds of colors like green and yellow right. and red. And that just that just led to this. A lot of time, he'd him. be found out passed out drunk, just laying there on the floor, covered in paint. The paint right. would be everywhere. 
Right. Um, I believe and some this of the, one... when doctors did his autopsy, they found, I think, about two gallons of paint actually was in his stomach. Yeah, it right. became easier over time. His stomach lining was just completely worn away, so he would only eat paint just to make painting much easier and on I, the process. I want you to look at the lines here, and then you can see that this is when he started innovating his patented reverse snow angel technique, where he laid down and did a snow <laughs> angel on the canvas. And it's just um, awful. It's nauseating to look at. Yeah, this shit sucks. All right. Oh, what do we have here? We have Ballet du Moulin de la Gaulle. I've, I've literally never seen this. Right. One. You've never seen it, but guess what? It sold what? for 78, 78 million. million. That's in dollars? Dollars. Is that yen or dollars? Those are big ones. Green bags, baby. This artist is known for having... That's by the American Federal Reserve. He's known for having the most French name of all time. Pierre-Auguste de Renoir. Which and means? It means it means Pierre is obviously the French name for Perry. Auguste is for Augustus. And Renoir means pedophile. <laughs> so when you, when you look at a, a painting like this, it's like, you think, you see, oh, what do you notice? People. I see a lot of people. Oh, who are these people? Is that my friend Jackie? Is that my friend Chris? We all see different people because we have different friends. And but, what I see this as being about is like, there's people, and we all have different people we know, and they're our friends. That's it. That was the point of the painting. Essentially. And the, 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 the title of this is, as you said, Baudou Malin de la Galette, which is, um, in French, MTV's The Hills. Right. You can see that this is similar to the, um, the you know, past version of maybe a, a nice Budweiser commercial, where you can actually see cans being clicked open and... Getting clinked together and the and froth from the beer can spilling over onto no the hands. And no one in this commercial is seen actually touching the can or the beer to the lips because it's illegal to show them drinking beer right. on TV because art is restricted. Who do you guys think those guys are on the right? Those guys, guys are simply... See, the guy on the left that's talking to... The guy or in the um, center of the right is not seen. His face is not seen. He's too distracted by these beautiful young ladies. Right. I think the guys on the right are his... His uh, his chums or his homies, his co-conspirators, right? And they're just kind of there to have a drink. They don't really know these girls. They don't really care to know these girls because they said that they're both sluts, right? And you, you can, can see tell, on their faces that's what they think. Yeah. Fa they're gaudy Massive. painted, the white skin, the alabaster skin. It's just <laughs> simply revolting that these women are so promiscuous. Perhaps, maybe, since it was the French, they were influenced by a Sir Benjamin Franklin, who presumably gave them his patented pearl necklace, which he invented in France. All right, let's move on here. I got a couple sculptures we can look at. All right, I'm going to start off with uh, Michelangelo's David, right? What do you guys think about this thing? Now, this is a great piece. This is um, one of the most famous sculptures, obviously. <laughs> and... Um you can see him, he has a chiseled body, literally right. chiseled, because he's, it's a sculpture. If you right. get Remarkable it. triangle dick muscle. Right, nice there. He's got nice an Adonis shit. muscle. Um, right, kind of has calf muscles, like maybe a sixth grader. The funny thing is, is that this was, um, you can see he is uh, flaccid. Right. And mm, little pitiful little thing. You'll notice he's throwing something over his shoulder. It's actually a, a jean jacket that says Varsity on the back. <laughs> this is actually a depiction of a famous movie at the time uh, about graduating from high school. Right. Now you can see he's got, his, he's got a nice ab, nice body, uh, Savelt muscle description. Um, and that 
beautiful bouncy curly hair one associates with maybe boys on the dock who are looking for the lollipop shop. Now this is um, what Michelangelo, as you said, it was based on a movie called When in Rome, directed by John Hughes, 1985, that Michelangelo was very fond of. And um, it sort of depicts a young man with his varsity jacket, you know, graduating high school. But also, he intentionally made his uh, member, if you will, smaller right. to, reflect upon, to reflect upon the sort of innocence and the changes that come with adolescence right. going into adulthood. Now, typically, That's, the only... Most people don't realize when they see this work that his dick is just hanging out. Nobody talks about it. Right. But if you look at it, it's right there. Right. Now, here's the thing about his dick. Like you, if you wanted to, you could just touch it. You could right. reach out and touch it. And if you see this You're exhibit, go ahead, to. just go to touch it, see what it feels like. And put your mouth up next to it and go, uh, and take like a picture. Back on yeah, tours, right. they had to um, stop allowing people to touch these because the, the penis was actually bigger. It was still small, but it was actually bigger. But worn it became down. so worn down from people touching it for good luck, like a Buddha statue. Now, typically, the reason why these these statues also had small penises was that... Well, how long was it originally, though? How long was the original? The original was about four inches. Uh, no, still not, you know, nothing to... I heard it was more like four feet. Now... <laughs> well, that's just misinformation. Now... <laughs> it had another varsity jacket hung over. A tiny little ja- varsity jacket hung over. The- now, as we all know, child pornography is illegal. Right, we all know that. And you typically couldn't look at a child's penis. Now, the way around that was to just make a statue of a man and then give him a child's penis. Brilliant. Right, that was the kind of workaround they did And that's the what time. the things that those, those um, Roman leaders, were, or Greek leaders, were commissioning for back then. They were just more deeply in tune with their, what their own next? nature. Right, we have now this um, woman shit. right here. Take a look at her. This, um, uh, this woman with these... Paraplegic woman. Right. Women with no arms, essentially. And uh, this is Venus de Milo. Also known as Aphrodite. Right. And she's got two big titties. You see them right there. And you guys see she's got a little blanket there that's kind of fallen down. She's got kind of like a posh bun haircut and absolutely no arms. And the, the reason why uh, she has no arms is that the artist, as we talked about, is many artists don't know how to draw hands. So he's like, you know what? And I can do her arms. Right. Too and the, hard. The, this was a genius move because people don't even notice she doesn't have arms most of the time because they're, like, <laughs> they're too focused on uh, right. those, those beautiful, those juicy right. gabazungas. Right. And, and this took him reportedly about eight years to complete. <laughs> and most of it was him. It was uh, due just, to him becoming too horny. Right. When he was but he, he kept working on the breasts till they were perfect. He it started t- there, too. And then it, he, that's why he was so distracted. The whole it time took him about there. seven days to finish the body. And then he worked probably seven to eight years on the breasts. I'm um, trying to get the perfect shape. Um, trying to repair them after sucking on them and things like that. <laughs> But it's, an, it's a great statue, considered one of the one of the most iconic ones as well. And not just for the fact that um, she's got a rockin' set of big fat titties, but that she also, it's just a well-made thing. You see a uh, blanket c- covering up her pubis area, and it, it's quite enticing if you think about it like that. Last uh, statue we have here is a very well-known one, The Thinker. What's your gentleman thinking about this? Well, this is very famous. This is probably the most famous piece of art of a man taking a dump. Right. Um, you see and the this little is, this right is, there. This is quite a striking and um, compelling piece because it's clearly showing what life was like before um, cell phones 
and um, Kindles and Kindle Fires right. and iPads. Something to do. You couldn't play Candy Crush. You couldn't right. browse Tinder. While you're taking a dump, you simply was left to your thoughts. Right. And precisely because we didn't have Snapchat at the time, he couldn't Snapchat that dump. So art historians right. have been wondering, what did it look like, you know? Was it solid? Was it diarrhea? What? How long what has he, he been there? How long? He has seems he been there? to be clenching a bit with the abs flexed and the arm outward. I think this might be quite a, a of a sticky consistency. Maybe one deeming a shower necessary after. And this has also led to the um, sort of play, a little bit humor on it. Some people call it the stinker. Right. Uh, as I shown. As yeah, I shown. Right, I want to go back to one more painting here. Holy shit. Right, this one's very... a personal favorite of mine. Right. A big old can of Campbell's tomato soup. This is one of our few contemporary art pieces that we like. Right. As you all know, contemporary art is completely useless. They stopped making right. art in Boring. about 1980. This was one of the last pieces of art ever made. It's a big old can of soup. And like, you know, the genius of this piece is like, how much would you expect to pay for a can of tomato soup? I don't know, 70 right. cents, 80 cents? Back then, probably like 30, 30 20. 30 cents even. And right. what it, it's like, it makes you think of, you know, tomato soup. What do you think of? You think tomato soup, you think of, oh, I want a grilled cheese with it. I want to dunk it in my tomato soup. I want to eat that. Right. It's raining outside. This is perfect. It's warming me up. I'm filled up enough. Right. And, um, even though I burnt my tongue a little bit because I was too hasty in eating it, it was still delicious. And I think that's what Andy Warhol is really going for. Right. And also, when interviewed about this piece, he said, no, it's about sex. But um, he also was very just fond of Campbell's Soup. Right. I was, friend, I was close friends with him at the time he was doing this. And we were, we were buddying up around New York City and traveling the world and things like this. And he wouldn't go anywhere without four or five of these on his person. Often just popping the tab up whenever deemed necessary and chugging it as if it was a beer can and um, typically uh, it would it would gross a lot of people out and he was trying to make a statement and he did a lot of this art we've looked at you can't put a price on the subject you know how much how much is a woman cost you know how much how much how is much a woman cost you're right <laughs> I look at this I look at this thing and I'm but thinking how thing. much is a woman cost I'm looking at this Campbell's and I'm asking how much does this Campbell's soup cost about 70 cents he turned it into millions of Wrong. dollars. Even that then, is the this greatest piece, artistic achievement a man could yeah, ever achieve. This piece just sold to to Mr. Elon Musk, who just bought it for $27 billion. That's a B. B -b 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 billion. And of course, Andy Warhol has been dead for over 100 years and won't get a share and of it. Andy Warhol, you know, has been on Conan O'Brien's show as his sidekick for many years. And um, many people have sort of forgotten him for his art. Uh, because he's just a coattail rider that, um, you know, rides off of Conan O'Brien's career. Right. But he did make great art. Atticus, I know you wanted to present this, um, some Rococo paintings right here. Okay, so this is uh, a certain period in painting where basically every background is like a beautiful garden Eden or landscape. Um, it's too hard to pick just very one. Very fantastical place that none of these people actually lived in. And then the center is usually aristocrats or the elites the rich, milky white, the milky alabaster, white alabaster skin, big the pure ivory of big corn-fed titties. There's usually, you know, they're all, you know, they're taking part in revelry. They're drinking wine, heaving they're, bosoms, they're spending they're, time in the terrace, maybe drinking wine. They're dancing or playing, and around them are always chunky little cherubs, Cherubics. which is just is just um, indicative of their want and sexualization of little. 
infants. Right. It's nothing but a world of chubby infants and 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 wimpy dandy boys. And this is just beautiful because you can tell that it, a lot like our leaders today. Back then, everyone um, was controlled by the rich pedophiles that run everything. <laughs> Right. Even today with Pizzagate and things like that, the rich pedophiles run the world. And that's how it's always going to be. Um, so um, we also wanted to talk about... Uh, we have one more? Right. And then we're going to end... I wanted to end on what is considered the greatest painting of all time. The illustrious masterpiece hung in many bedrooms and man caves. Dogs playing poker. The uh, final Van Gogh painting. Right, Vincent Van Gogh's final work before he died, and there's so much going on here. It's simply a beautiful, absurd piece that's worthy of so much of the academics and it's been I written like about. I like this piece a lot because it's really just showing guys. It's just guys. It's you just guys. You got about seven dogs sitting here. They're playing a, a poker game, probably illegal, you know, probably hosted by Michael Vick or something. Right. And I like this. I like this dog on the left. He's um, what well, looks like to be a collie or maybe a boulder collie. Right. He's kind of collie relaxing. Then. His legs are crossed. Uh, maybe he's the gay one. Right. Um, then the, over here on the right, you have this little gray bulldog. Right. He's slipping a card. To the Obviously, guy a, a, a reference to uh, the tiny Jay, uh, Joe Pesci, with his right. scowling face and lit cigar and the ace of clubs betwixt his big toe. A truly remarkable thing. And you can see behind them, a little interesting, a little interesting um, tidbit is Vincent Van Gogh inserted a painting that he didn't paint himself, but it's back there. And the painter that painted that was actually the rival of his who stole the woman from him. And what that's showing is that... Even a dog could afford that guy's art. That was shit art. That's right. I mean, these are probably rich dogs because they gamble. But that, that art is not meant for human consumption. You can see one animal with a corn cob pipe. You can see you can see a few beers or a yeah. couple yeah. glasses. You look at the the labels are obscured, and you wonder what beers are these? What beers are? Is it could possibly a high life? Possibly a Bud Light? Possibly a Hams? The top right there appears to be a clock set to Miller time. Right, it's set to Miller time. Right, we can infer which type of beer that they are drinking because of the clock. Right, and we can assume that maybe this is um, the dogs one night a week to get out of uh, away from their wives and hang out and just do goy stuff. It's simply a wonderful piece, and no one has ever really quite come close to this again with the level of precision and artistic um, creativity and the, absurdism of the idea of a dog playing poker. I must is shout out. Quite humorous, I indeed. I must shout out the closest anyone has come since, and I don't want to reify this, this uh, popular culture on the level of this art, but that scene in the end of Marmaduke 3 where Marmaduke 3 the dog is playing poker around the table with six of his canine friends. Right. Clear homage Clear to this, homage. To this and he has sort of this cowboy demeanor because he's voiced by Sam Elliott, right. the famous cowboy character actor. Right. And, um, so and stuff like that hasn't really been uh, touched upon. I mean, now every now and then you see a piece of art in our day and age that may match up. You see it in movies, you see it in film, uh, video games, such as... Um, uh, Donkey Kong 64. Oh, yes. Probably what is widely considered when the debate, if you want to call it that, of all video games art comes up. And people always shout the same game and saying that it's art. Bioshock. Donkey Kong they're 64. They're talking about Bioshock and Undertale. And they're talking about... 
Uh, Donkey Kong 64 is typically the one the journalists all toss on me, throw in your face, as the purest example of art and games, and, uh, you know, you can play as uh, um, Donkey Kong uh, or... or Fucky Kong. Fucky Kong. Titty Kong. Titty Kong. Uh, it has the most Kongs. That's why it's right. Crummy the Kong. greatest of the games. Beer Kong. Racist Kong. All of them you can play. Different characters that require different things. And it's a puzzle and an adventure and truly an experience of art. Um, I'm a little on the fence about if it's art or not, but it truly is an enjoyable the experiment. The only thing that offends my sensibility is that be- it begins with a rap. Right. Yes. Which, which, in which the um, aforementioned Funky Kong refuses to pull up his baggy trousers, which offends my delicate sensibility to the point where I want to shout out E-I-E-I-O. And now we really just have not much to look upon for art. You have, I mean, starting decades ago with the dreadful Bart Simpson, um, oh, going till now I'm... to the ugly and generic art of Steven Universe and Vile. all of his friends who are mentally disabled. Right. So, and a whole show of bisexual children, I believe. With depression. And, right. Bisexual, depressed children that seem to go on adventures. It simply is... Almost seems like a mishmash of adjectives crammed together in a cartoon. I, I, I disdain the vile Steven Universe. Well, gentlemen, I think we've covered about the entire canon of Western history. If you didn't hear it here, it's not worth knowing. Uh, once again, I am Thomas Kincaid Jr. And next time, we're going to be talking about Steamboat Willie. All right, Steamboat Willies are going to be a big thing. We can probably go an old hour on Steamboat Willie alone. We could do a, a whole week of the racism of Walt Disney. Right. Well, Walt Disney, one and of his the most greatness. famous racists <laughs> of all time, uh, sealed away in the Disney vault is many episodes where Donald Duck is Next a Klansman. Next to his frozen and, racist brain. Right. Donald Duck is a Klansman and, 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 and uh, you know, uh, goofy... Um, <laughs> crashes a Black Lives Matter protest. Right, he does, and uh, you know he pisses off the Black Panthers, who put out a death wa- <laughs> a death wi- uh, warrant against uh, Goofy for many years. He avoided. <laughs> so thanks for having us. All right, yeah, so until, until next time. <laughs> <laughs>